Welcome back. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. afternoon. Good evening. Good evening. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Rooted and Logos podcast. My name is Brad. I'm joined this week again by Austin. We are missing our third wheel again today, but he will uh, hopefully be back next week. We're gonna we're hoping and praying that that happens. So, Carter, we're thinking about you. We miss you. Hope to have you back next week. But uh, we're we're lonely. We're lonely. We're here with episode twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. We are legal. Now, what does that mean? We can legally buy alcohol and cigarettes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, isn't that the only reason why people get excited about turning 21 anymore? I, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I didn't have that mindset. I didn't either. Growing up, so I, I think maybe when I turned 18, I bought a lottery ticket, and that was kind of my, like, woo! I didn't like a buy, scratch off or something, yeah. just to say I did it. I didn't buy my first lottery ticket until I was like 22. Nice. Just because... I'm like, oh yeah, I was like, I am of age. I, I was I like 23 that. when I had my first sip of alcohol. <laughs> like, really? it, yeah, like just for a couple of years, I, eh, I'm good. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> episode. What we're doing? Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> anyway, episode 21, rooted in Logos podcast. Uh, we're so excited to be here today. Obviously, if you've been listening, we've been doing uh, the Book of Romans, and we are going to take just a small pause just to kind of break it up a little bit. Kind of get some fresh material out there. Spice things up. Spice things up. And I want this one to be super entertaining, and I hope it is, because I've enjoyed studying it. Uh, today, we are going to talk about obscure Bible stories. So each of us have three stories that we're going to discuss that people forget are there. Oh, yeah. In fact, the first one I'm going to do is one that I'm not sure has even registered with me, because it's three verses, it's in Exodus... I totally forgot about it. And and I know I've read it. I'm sure I have. And and I just think it may be one that we've glossed over and just kind of forget is there. So I'm excited about all three of all six of these that we have uh, here today. And we're going to get into that. So before we do that, though, one little housekeeping item. Uh, We have purchased and designed some of the bracelets that I guess like Live Strong started this trend. So. Years ago, the rubber bracelets. So we each we, we have three different colors, three different designs that say "Rooted in Logos." Have our little tree on there, and then have our website on it as well. And we're gonna sell these as a fundraiser. We're gonna do uh, two dollars a bracelet. They'll be on our Facebook page. You can see what they look like on Instagram. You can see what they look like. The profits are gonna go. We're gonna split the profits fifty fifty. Half of the profits are gonna go to our church's Haiti mission team. Uh, that is going to Haiti at the end of the year. We want to bless them and and any that want to go that are struggling financially, we want to be able to help them out. So half of the money is going to go to that. The other half we are going to kind of put into this project that we're doing, the the podcast, and and with a little bit of advertising, we want to kind of get our name out there and and try to build our listenership up. And we also want to have a little bit of money, we've mentioned this, put, put away, put aside to entice people to come on maybe uh, i don't know if that's the right way to say it but you know if there's somebody that's willing to come on but they charge a small fee we want to be able to do that yeah. um and, and we have again we, uh, we've mentioned this and and i don't want to throw any names out there but we have some ideas and and some, some thoughts big ideas. And, and they're big ideas some hopes. that might be why i don't Dreams. say it because i don't want people to be like you guys aren't gonna pull that off oh gosh and no. and honestly we might not but that's why we won't say it because god willing god willing it'll exactly. happen if not it it you know, we're good. But that's what we want to do. So um, I, there'll be more information on our Facebook page, on our Instagram, on our website. 
honestly, our website's been the one that's kind of been the redheaded stepchild and not uh, it's true. It's not true. been <laughs> updated. So I'm actually going to try to start working on that this week and, and get the website a little more robust and a little better. So, um, And we'll put those on there with some pictures. And as of right now, the best way to order, if you know us, just text us. If you don't know us, shoot us a message on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, it, we'll ship it to you. We'll do whatever. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Venmo, PayPal. We got we got all of that. Apple Pay. So, cool, cool, cool. Um, two bucks a bracelet. They're blue, black, and white. Royal blue. Royal blue, black, and, black and white. Hang on. Kentucky blue, <coughs> black oh, and white. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. I could do. I could do with that. You know, it wasn't fully conscious of me to design a Kentucky blue and white one. It really wasn't, sure. but it just happened because those are my two favorite colors, so that's that's what we're going to do. I like it. So, anyway. It's interesting we don't have a red one. <laughs> I, You know, if there, someone else designed no a red there. one, that's fine, but I'm not I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do I'm not going to lower myself to that level and design a red one. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. I, I like the Braves, too. They have red in there. Ah, uh, there you go. All right, so. The Cardinals, right? It's gross. Oh, wow. Okay, sorry, my bad. Do you not remember what happened when you wore a UofL shirt into here, into this house? That was not a UofL. It was a Louisville <laughs> soccer jersey. It was oh, different. Okay. It was, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll debate that off air. Okay. No. Anyway, so we're going <laughs> to yeah, in get into what we're off doing the here. rails this morning. We're, we're both in good moods and a little giddy, so we're, yeah. it's always a dangerous combination. That, that is true. <laughs> so uh, let's dive into our... Obscure Bible stories. I'm going to start with one that, you know, when I was doing some research on this, I, I, again, was kind of surprised about this. Didn't remember it. It it just, I I know I've read it. I know I've read it because I've read through the Bible a few times. And so I know it, it has been on my radar at some point. But three verses in Exodus, Exodus 4, 24 through 26. And this is talking about Moses, because I don't think actually Moses' name is said in these three verses, but it's talking about Moses, and here's what it says. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him, him being Moses, and sought to put him to death. Then Sipporah, Moses' wife, took a flint, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it, and said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So let's just let's just uh, <laughs> set the scene for you, Moses. I'm going to put it in a little bit of modern day terms here, um, but not super graphic. <laughs> Moses is in a hotel. Motel he, five. Mo, mo, yeah. <laughs> he, the Lord has decided to kill Moses, and. and it doesn't really explain why. Like, there's not a whole lot of, of explanation in the verses before or after as to why this was taking place. I mean, Moses, there's been a lot of signs and wonders. Moses, you know, has, has left Egypt. And I, I want to say this was after the burning bush, I think. Does that sound right? I think it sounds right, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Moses is already called to get his, set his people free. And then God's like, I'm going to kill. So, the only... <laughs> In the research I've done, and, and I've read a, d- a few different articles and a couple different commentaries, and, and the kind of general consensus about this is that there was some sin in Moses' life that angered the Lord, <laughs> and the Lord is like, all right, if you're not going to obey me, I'm, I'm done with you. And 
we could argue that maybe it was because of circumcision, because, you know, there was a big emphasis on that in in the Old Testament days with Abraham and as an outward sign of, of the covenant that God made with Abraham and his people. So it, it seems to me, and this is just me speculating and getting some insight from other commentators, that Moses hadn't circumcised his son as the Lord commanded at the appointed time at the appointed time. And Moses and God was like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to end you. <laughs> you're not obeying me. That's it. We're done. You're, you're, you're gone. But at this hotel, the Lord sought to kill Moses and, and his wife Zipporah wasn't a huge fan of that idea. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. You know, don't kill my husband, you know, please have mercy. Um, and so she took a rock, a sharpened rock of Flint and circumcised her, their son. Good morning. Golly. And if that's not cringe-inducing enough, like just kind of uh, shudder, you know, just, uh, I don't like that. She then takes the foreskin <laughs> and touches Moses' feet with it. Uh, why not? Seems like the, the right thing to do. And because of that, because of that, God chose not to kill Moses. I, I don't I don't know what else, what else to say about it. Yeah. Well, um, and it's interesting. So, like, looking at... Okay, he was not following the law, right? Because the law through Abraham was you you circumcise your your son and all the servants, male servants in your house. And like Moses was so consumed with the the tribes of Israel that he forgot about his own son. And so God's like, "Uh, no, your family. And and again, looking at scripture, your your family is more important. Family comes first. So that... Just doing some re- that. That's probably the shorter one of the of the ones we're going to go through. But that was just one that, again, I'd forgotten about and just find fascinating. And it kind of makes sense because we've been going through Romans on Tuesdays, and <laughs> we we've said the word circumcision more than I probably ever have in my life that's in true. these last four weeks going through going through the Book of Romans. So uh, I was like, oh, you know what? This actually is is uh, fitting for what we've been talking about. So just a little bit, just a little bit. So Moses. God was going to kill him. Zipporah said, not today. Takes a <laughs> Not even a knife. Takes a rock. <laughs> and, and circumcises their kid and just puts it on Moses' feet. Good times. And says, leave him alone. <laughs> so God did. God, God spared Moses. And again, it, it, it is. It is unclear as to why God just decided in that moment to, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and kill Moses. We don't know the mind of God. I just, I find it, I find it fascinating. His ways are not our ways. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So let's jump into Austin's first one. What, what you got for us? All right. My first one for the day is First Kings chapter 18, verse 20 through 40. The prophets of Baal defeated. This is Elijah. The, this is one of my, my favorite Bible stories. So yeah, we'll go ahead and get into it. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let two bulls be given to us, And let them choose one bowl for themselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bowl, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. 
and you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, And they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar at. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. Or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud. That <laughs> <laughs> always gets me. Oh, I, I, I just enjoy that. Maybe he's going number two. <laughs> Maybe he's relieving himself. <laughs> and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill your jars with water, and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar, and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. Woo, man, I love it. So much happening in that story. So much going on. They go to Mount Carmel. They're going to do their pagan thing with their god, Baal. And then all of a sudden, Elijah just walks on scene and basically, basically like, what are you guys doing? Like, how long are you going to go between pretending to serve God and then pretending to serve Baal? Basically, that that lukewarm ride in the fence. It's like, no, right. pick one. Pick one. Choose what you're going to do. And he basically, he calls that, calls him out. He says, look, there's 450 of you. There's one of me. I'm the only one left that's serving God. And let's, let's have a competition. 
let's see what happens. And he says, you, let's, let's slaughter these bulls and let's offer up to our gods, your God, lowercase g, my being the Lord of hosts, the <laughs> God of Israel. The creator of the heavens and the earth. <laughs> yep. And, and he's using the words like Yahweh and Adonai. And they're like, yeah, all the people around that went to watch this pagan ritual, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And he's like, all right, you guys go first. There's a bunch of you. You do it. And so they're they're doing it. They cut up the bowl. They they cut up the wood, lay them on the, the wood and everything. They're dancing around. They're doing their chantings. They're doing their chantings, and they're just doing this pagan thing. And, and, and probably cutting themselves. And, yeah, and just cutting themselves all with swords the, and lances. Yeah. Yeah. All, all all the things that that were that was supposed to please Baal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it says they went from morning until afternoon. Nothing happened. So then what happens next? <laughs> One of my favorite parts, it's it's Elijah making fun of them. And I I can just imagine being there listening to it. And it says and at noon Elijah mocked them saying, "Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is amusing or is relieving himself." Or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves. Yeah. So he's making fun of them. He's making fun of their pagan fake God. And they say the Bible does, that God doesn't have a sense of humor right. in the Bible. Right. I mean, come on. No. <laughs> he was a prophet. Those words came from God. Yeah. For, <laughs> for sure. sure. Yeah. And then after afternoon, it's getting towards evening and nothing happens. So, Elijah's like, all right, my turn. And he says, everyone come near. And everyone came near. They were ready. They were like, all right, something's going to happen. We know it. And he gets the altar ready that was there before, because it's Mount Carmel. This is, this is kind of a, a big place when it comes to sacrifices to the Lord. So, he repairs the altar that was already there, and then lays everything out. And Elijah tells the people around him, he says, go get jars and go fill them with water. And he's he, he builds a trench around it that it says will hold two seahs, S-E-A-H, of water or of seed. And so a sea is seven quarts or 7.3 liters. And they're, they're filling their jars and they're 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 dumping it on the wood dumping it on the bowl and it's filling the trench full of water and then Elijah calls upon the name of the Lord the God of Abraham Isaac and Israel and the Lord answers it says fire falls from heaven it licks it it consumes the the meat the wood the dust the stones all 12 stones that they laid out and Every drop of water that was poured, boom, gone. Well, in, in, in the water significant because he's doing that to say, even with soaking wet items, the fire will still consume this. Yeah. Right? You ever tried to light a wet piece of log? Like It, it doesn't work. It <laughs> doesn't work. You know, uh, trying to keep a campfire lit or a fire in a fireplace lit with, with wet wood, it's not, not going to work. And, yeah. and Elijah's like, got here. Even even with, with stuff that should not catch on fire. Fire from heaven. It's consuming. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. So afterwards, everyone falls in their face, and now they truly know who is the God. And Elijah says, all right, 
those 450 people that just did their ritual pagan dance. Let's take them down to the Brook of Kashan, and we're going to kill them all. It says, slaughtered them there. And it's unclear to say if Elijah was the actual one who slaughtered them there, or if other people were part of that. All it says is, and Elijah brought them down to the Brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. So it it probably was him. He yeah. probably killed all 450 of them. Yeah. Whew, man. Yeah, that one gets me. That one gets it's me. Brutal. Pumped. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, I think it shows how. I think it shows how seriously God takes his glory and his honor. Well, and it was a commandment. Yeah. Have no other gods before me. All right. I'm gonna jump in. Uh, with Second Samuel chapter 18, 1 through 18. This is the story of Absalom. He was one of David's sons, King David's sons. And just a little bit of background. Uh, I'm not going to go through his entire story uh, because there's a lot to it. But a little bit of background on, on Absalom. He just essentially he rebelled against his dad. He rebelled against David. And he wanted to usurp the throne. He wanted to take the throne from, from King David. And he wooed a bunch of people with, I, I think he said with like magic or, you know, signs and wonders and, and arts. Yeah, he, was a, he was an artistic man. He gained a lot of followers to the point where David felt necessary to flee Jerusalem. And so David fled Jerusalem. Absalom then came into Jerusalem with his, with his army. He, he took the throne without any fighting, yep. without any need to... Just walked in. He just walked in took the throne. There was no resistance. So that's kind of where we are in this. Absalom is now actually seeking to destroy David's army. He's seeking to wipe them out. And so that's kind of where we land here. So David is wanting to defend his throne, his kingdom. He doesn't want to kill his son. He, this, this really is, is difficult for him, and he's very, uh, very bad. And we'll see that here in a minute. But David's forming an army. Absalom has his army, and they're about to meet and fight. And, and, and see who's going to rule over the land of Israel. Second Samuel 18, verse 1, Then David mustered the men who were with him and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Itai, the Gittite. The Old Testament's so fun to try to read sometimes. <laughs> Good names. <laughs> Maybe I'll name my new dog Itai. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> and the king said to the men, I myself will also go with you. But the men said, you shall not go out. The king being David, by the way. You shall not go out. For if we flee, they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us. Therefore, it is better that you send us help from the city. The king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood at the side of the gate while all the army marched out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king ordered Joab and Ab Abishai and Atai, Itai, <laughs> deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So set the scene. David is sending his armies out to go fight and to take retake Jerusalem, retake the throne. He wants to go. He really, really wants to go fight. I mean, David was a warrior king. He wanted to be out there. And in those days, that's what the king did. They f marched into battle with their armies. So David, this warrior king, wants to go out. 
his generals are like, no, like we don't. It's not smart in this moment. In this, in for this battle, it is not smart for you to be with us because you are worth more than any of us, and and they will stop at nothing to get to you if they see you. So stay here. And I think reluctantly, David agrees, and he says, "Okay, but please, 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 don't kill my son. Don't kill Absalom. Deal gently with him." So that that is the. Uh, that's kind of setting the stage here. Verse six. So the army went out into the field against Israel and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. All the men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David. And the loss there was great on that day, 20,000 men. The battle spread over the face of all the country and the forest devoured more people that day than the sword. So David's army wins. They, they, they defeat Absalom's army, the army of Israel, the army of, of the ruling king at that moment. Verse 9, so Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak, and his head caught fast in the oak, and he was suspended between heaven and earth, while the mule that was under him went on. So I just want you to picture this for a second. So a little insight into my mind. Uh, I enjoy, this is going to sound, I enjoy shows like Criminal Minds. I enjoy watching documentaries on, on serial killers and just kind of some of the psychology behind that stuff do we need to have a talk no 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 it's not a, it's not like an unhealthy fascination i just you know those type of stories in in literature the murder mysteries stuff like that things that are just a little bit weird a little bit left you know a little out in left field a little out bit left field yeah i just i enjoy that and so that's why some of these stories kind of i'm drawn to because they're just weird they're just kind of bizarre and so absalom had long hair and there's a little bit of debate as to how this happened but the general consensus is his hair got caught in the trees and he got stuck and his mule just kept going and he's just hanging there by his hair in the trees. Fascinating stuff. I, it, just the Bible is full of so many little details that we miss and th- this would be one of them. And so he's just kind of hanging there swinging. He's, he's alive. He's good. Just kind of swinging. Verse 10 says, and a certain man saw it and told Joab, behold, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak. Joab said to the man who told him, What? You saw him? Why then did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have been glad to give you ten pieces of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Even if I felt in my hand the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, for my sake, protect the young man Absalom. On the other hand, if I dealt treacherously against his life, and there is nothing hidden from the king, then you yourself would have stood aloof. Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you. And he took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. And ten young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. Then Joab blew the trumpet and the troops came back from, from pursuing Israel, for Joab restrained them. And he had took Absalom and threw him into a great pit in the forest and raised over him a very great heap of stones. And all Israel fled, everyone, everyone to his home. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself the pillar that is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and it's called Absalom's Monument to this day. So just a, a fascinating story of this honorable man came and, and saw Absalom just hanging there. Hanging. Just picture Absalom hanging by his, by his head in a tree. Saying, hey, little help. Little help here, guys. And this guy who 
by all other accounts, would have been a war hero had he killed Absalom in that moment, said, I'm going to obey the king. I'm going to obey David and not do and not do that. I'm not going to kill him because David wants to spare his son. And Job's like, nope, that's it. We're done. And he goes and kills him. David hears of his death. He, he, he mourns uh, the loss of his son. Uh, and ultimately, I think he, he takes back the throne and is back, in, back as the ruler of Israel. But just a story that I hadn't heard in a long time, hadn't heard, you don't hear preached about very often, and just kind of a bizarre way to go out. Absalom. And, and again, I just like it because, obviously I like it, it's in the Bible, and you want to know the whole of Scripture. That's one reason why we're doing this. We kind of have little tongue-in-cheek, obscure Bible stories, and find them somewhat odd and just different. But it's in the Bible, and we need we need to hear these things. We need to know and, it. And we yeah. need to know it. And Absalom, because of his long hair, met his demise. Well, and it's interesting, too, looking at different types of oaks, uh, being in the tree business, there, there's an oak, it's called a pin oak, or, or it goes by a couple different names, but it's, it has a lot, it's not like, they're not thorns, but as the limb grows, they have little shoots that most of the, the leaves grow on, but they're really hard, so they're kind of like little inch long, tiny limbs, but they're really strong. To where I, trying to climb up one and trim it, it's one one of my least favorite to trim because it hurts and it scratches you all over the place and it grabs you. It grabs a hold of your clothes and you you gotta cut your way through them. So it would make sense as you're riding under it to it grabs it grabs his hair, it grabs his armor, it grabs his clothes, and he's he's hanging there and it it will yeah. as you're climbing up as I'm trimming it, it'll grab a hold of you. And you'll get stuck. So oh, that's it, that, that's really cool. That's that, a cool. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a cool little side note there. I like trees. We like trees. We we like. I mean, yeah, we rooted like in. Lo- yeah, it's yeah. whatever. Might be our logo. I don't know. I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just again another kind of obscure story that we don't talk about a whole lot. How Absalom died and how David regained his throne in Israel. So that is that is number two on my list. We are we are gonna pause this. And we're going to do a new segment. And this segment is not going to be every week. Maybe once a month. Maybe every other week. I don't know. We'll just see how things go. But we're going to do a new segment. And I'm really excited about this one. I think people are going to love it. I hope they do, at least. I'm going to like it, so I don't really care if y'all do or not. (laughs) I'm going to enjoy it. I know Austin and Carter are going to enjoy it. We are going to do Bible stories with Elora and Felicity. So, Austin, who, who are these two young ladies? These two young ladies are my daughters. My eldest and my middle child, and they are going to be bringing, like you said, like we're going to try to go probably once a month. They're going to invest their time in a certain Bible story. They're going to learn it, and then they will be presenting it to you guys in the way that a three and four year old would. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be really cool. I'm excited to hear this. So, transition music. <laughs> so, we hope you enjoy this. New segment, story Bible stories with Elora and Felicity. We will see you guys on the other side of that. And we are here for our new segment, Bible stories with Elora and Felicity. Austin, this is kind of cool. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, girls. Hi. Can you, can you introduce yourselves? My name's Elora. My name's Felicity. 
All right. So, Austin, what are they going to be doing for us today? So, Elora, what what are you going to be, what are you and Felicity going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about David. Oh. Not me. Not you. (laughs) Are you going to help Sissy? Okay. (laughs) She's doing Hebrews. All right. Well, hold on. That's that's our Bible time at home. We're we're going over David and Goliath today. Okay. All right. Well, how about we get started, Elora? How about you take us through the story of David and Goliath? Okay. David was a son. David was a son. David was the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And and one day, David David ran up to the battle line, and he and he um. And he went to meet this Philistine. And when he got there, he heard him making fun of the Israelites. So, so, um, so he went to the to the creek bed, and he um he he picked five smooth rocks, and he and he ran to the battle line to meet this Philistine. And and when he got there, he. And then he's he he swung a, a rock at him. He swung a rock. He swung throwed a rock, and and it and it and it and it hit his his forehead. And whose forehead did it hit? Goliath. Okay. And and. And he ran on top of Goliath and cut his head off, bringing it to um Once he once he cut off Goliath's head, he, he took his head and what happened? What happened to the Philistines? They fled. Why? Cause they were so afraid. Oh. Why were they afraid? Cause he they killed his champion their champion. Yeah. That was pretty scary to them, wasn't it? And, and then what happened? What? Where did David go? To Jerusalem. Did or he? Did he go to Jerusalem, or where did he go first? Who who wanted to talk to him? Um, Saul. About what? Who he he was the son of? Well, why don't you tell us about it, girlie? And he um and he. He said, what's your name? And he said, I mean, he said, who are you the son of? Your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Yeah, that was pretty That was pretty courageous and brave of David, wasn't it? Did David have any armor on to go fight no. Goliath? No. No? Why didn't he have any armor? Because God was with him and because he didn't know how much he was going to move around. Yeah, that that armor was uh, who who offered armor to David? Saul. And what happened? He said, "Tell you what, take this off." Because why? Because God's with me. Yeah, and it was probably too big and too heavy, right? Hey, Felicity, what did do you remember what David's older brother, Alib, said to him? No, Elora. He thought he was he had evil in his heart and he's and David and buddy he thought he came to just watch the battle but he didn't. He said, What have I done? I I anytime a bear or a lion came I would 
struck it, and if he got up, I would I would pick it up by its spear and 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 kill it. All right, what do you want to say about it, Felicity? Um, about King, about David and um, Goliath? Um, mm-hmm. Why does it matter to us? Why is it important? Because Jesus was with him. God was with him. Yeah, yeah. And who? Yeah, who fights? Who fights our battles? God. Yeah, he's with us, isn't he? I'm just doing this. Can I have another okay. part. Okay. What but, else? But that's the last part I have. I don't know anything else. Okay. What's your What's your last part? David went to the king of the Philistines, and he and he acted crazy so oh, that yeah. he would let him go. That's That's a different story. That's later. That's later. Um, that happens later. Yeah. What other parts? But that's a cool part, though. That's it's a cool, cool story. Part. Well, hey, good job, girls. Thank you for doing this. We're going to do it again sometime, right? Okay, pick another story and go through it. We're going to have to learn it really well. But can I do it again? Do what again? (laughs) All right, talk about it. What do you want to talk about? Go ahead. Oh, that can be the next story. Well, I'll tell you what, really quick. You want to have a podcast, right? So, what do you want to talk about? Anything. What do you want to talk about? Anything you want to talk about? You too, Squishy. What do you want to talk about? It doesn't have to be a Bible story. What do you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. You want to practice your Moses story? Well, then practice it. Let's hear it. Yeah, I want to hear it. Practice it with all the equipment. Yep. We're going to talk about Moses. Ooh, all right. Let's get into it. So, Moses, his mother wanted him to be safe so he wouldn't be killed. So she, she sent him in the Nile River and his and his mommy picked him up at he she drew him from the Nile River and she called him Moses. And when he grew up he, um he saw a man be, get in get in get in whipped and and he and he killed him and then he ran away to the place where he became a shepherd. He got married and one day he 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 um he said, Let my people go and he said no. Then then he said to God will will send plagues and he and he got his staff, and he, and his staff turned into a snake and swallowed both of the of the bad snakes at the same time, and 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 then and then the frogs came and then all the plagues came after that one, and there was fire raining and and then finally the angel of death passed over. One night, and he killed all the Egyptians, but not Pharaoh. All the firstborns. All the firstborns of Pharaoh. And and then after that plague, he said they can, they can, they can leave. Now I can talk about anything I want. (laughs) Sure, talk about anything you want. What do you want to talk about? Felicity, what do you want to talk about? Go ahead, you two talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um... Um, Moses, um, hey everybody, my grandma came over one time. Okay, that's cool. What'd y'all do? Uh, she brought over some, some dessert, but we ate it before lunch, and it was my daddy's grandma. 
All and right. my daddy's mommy. Her that's, name was Grant. Her name is Grant. That's cool. Grant. Grant's mommy died and it's Grandma TNT. Oh. And also, and she died. Oh she, no! Yeah, she did. And Grandpa Frank died. And who yeah. are you with? Um, Jesus. With Jesus? Does that mean you get to see him again someday? I can hear you. You can hear me. I can hear you. Hmm. You're in here. Right. <laughs> you have one minute. Oh. Squishy, why don't you talk for a little bit? One minute. Take a break. Um. Um. Moses, mommy, um, said. Tomos wanted Moses to be safe and and take and he was and he was and so she put him in what a box a box or like a basket a basket yeah and then what happened she she put him in the water yeah and then what happened Nile um, River then uh, um 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 the Nile River mm-hmm. and then what happened um. Um, um, they saw, um, 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 alligators. Alligators, oh wow. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, girls, for joining us for this, this episode. This has been very cool having you guys. And then can I talk? I learned a lot. All right, so I want you guys to say your goodbyes. Goodbye. (laughs) Oh, Wait, hang on. Uh, there, there's, there's something that I think you need to hear because our the people that are listening are very happy you guys were here. So they recorded something for you that they want to, they want to go. Ready? Are they clapping? Good job. Good job, guys. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You're thank welcome. you for being on here, guys. You're and we'll 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 see you guys again very soon, okay? How do we how do we end it? Stay rooted in Logos. There we go. So Austin, what is your next story? Yes, so my next story is the Valley of Dry Bones. This is Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven, and Ezekiel is. Israel is in exile, and this is basically God telling Israel, the nation of Israel, and promising to bring them back. Basically, I will reestablish you. You have been wiped out. You have been obliterated, but I will bring you back. So, Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. The Lord set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and over you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone, 
And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, O son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So imagine, you're Ezekiel, and you have only known this time where Israel has been completely dispersed, that you are not a nation of Israel. And God comes to you, and throughout the whole book of Ezekiel is telling you, I am going to bring my people back. And it hits this. This is like a vision. This is a dream. This is not actually happening. Again, this is a dream that God is giving to Ezekiel. So, he is allowing Ezekiel to see this vision. He is in a, in a valley, and there is a multitude of just bones. Bones shown everywhere, all over the valley. And, and God says, what, what, what do you see? He's like, well, I see a bunch of bones. And they're dry, as in like they've been here a long time. It has been a long time. And God tells him, I, I'm going to cause these to come back to life. Do you, do you, basically, do you believe me? And Ezekiel says, you're the Lord God. What you say will happen. And so he says, prophesy to them. Tell them. Tell them. So God says, thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. He talks about sinews. So sinews are, are basically like tendons. When the bones meet up together, you have the cartilage in between them, but then you have these tendons that hold them together. And so he's saying, I will, I will bring the bones together. I will connect them. And so he says, prophesy to him. And so he starts speaking to him. He starts speaking the word of God to these dry bones. And all of a sudden there's a rattling. I want you to imagine this. You are in a valley, uh, not a little a little valley, but a, a massive valley, completely covered in bones. Maybe Grand Canyon-esque. Grand Canyon-esque. Yeah. And there are bones strewn all over the floor. And all of a sudden, you hear and you see these bones moving. And they are fitting together. I mean, kind of creepy. <laughs> I mean... Um, Besides the fact that the Lord is telling this to happen, if it wasn't, I would be terrified. Well, I mean, it, it, it take the Lord out of this, which you can't obviously be. Take the Lord out of this hypothetically. Make a great horror flick. Oh, right? Make a great movie. Sounds like the Mummy Part 75 or oh something. Gosh, 
77. Like, I feel like they've had 75 already. It's true. That's <laughs> But anyway, back to it. So, yeah, he's Ezekiel is watching these bones form together. Sinew is laying upon the bone. This cartilage is forming. Now you have muscle. You're having all the organs. And all of a sudden now, it's this massive group of people. But they're not alive yet. And so God says, prophesy to the breath. And so he speaks God's word to these not live people yet. And it says the winds from the four corners are breathed into these people and they come to life. And then he says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. So it's this promise. They have been cut off from each other. Okay, bones scattered everywhere. They aren't connected. God will bring them together as a nation, and he will be present. His spirit will be present with his people yet again. It's this promise saying this will happen. So I another another one of my favorites. It is so cool. And and I, I think you can I think you can extrapolate that to today and, and apply it to today. Yeah. That the the word of the Lord brings life. And that apart from Christ, before before we are in Christ, we are dead. We are we ourselves are in a valley of dry bones. We are dry bones. Spiritually, we we're nothing. Spiritually, we are dead and, and decayed. And the word of the Lord brings life to our dry bones when we have that moment where we meet Christ and we we experience His grace for the first time. Our dry bones are now alive, and that's exactly. It, it, I think, I think it's there to not only indicate that Israel will come back together and God will bring His people back. I think it's a foreshadowing of what what Christ does for us, yeah, and brings us back to life and brings us back to Him, and it, He brings us together, and it's just as miraculous, yeah. Our, our regeneration as believers, when we when we accept Christ, our spiritual regeneration is just as miraculous as those dry bones coming to life. Yes, that valley of dry bones, well, and it, just as miraculous as Israel coming back as a people. Yes, which it, and again going back to Israel and being about Israel, that's what's happening now. They were a nation completely cut off. They were completely separated everywhere from Poland, Europe, America, everywhere. They were completely cut off, separated from everywhere, and God is bringing them back. And uh, as it was, so it will be. God is bringing them back together. They are a nation now, and more and more of them show up every day. And we know, at the end of the book, that they will be a complete nation again. So, yeah, it was very cool. So, my last one that I wanted to bring up is uh, found in Judges chapter 4. I'm going to read the entire chapter, so bear with me. It is Deborah and Barak. Uh, this is right after two, two – she is the next judge. The, the two before her was Shamgar, who only gets, I think, one verse in Scripture. And then Ehud, a story that I really enjoy, almost used for this, but I feel like it's become a little more popular now. 
and people kind of start to know it now. It, it, Ehud was the the guy who uh, killed the king, and the king was fat, and the sword was swallowed up completely by the fat, enveloped, completely enveloped in the guy's fat. And so, um, while it is good to be healthy and it's good to to take care of your body, if you feel like you are super fat, just realize you're not going to swallow a sword. So, like, you're fine. That's true. You're not I mean you're not like get healthy because I've I've done that. I'm I still need to be doing that, but like. Don't feel too bad because at least you're not like, you're not swallowing a sword. That's true with your belly fat. So anyway, oh, that's <laughs> anyway. So Ehud, Shamgar, and now Deborah and Barack. And so let's Deborah was a judge. I, th- I think correct me if I'm wrong, Austin. The only female judge. Yes. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about that after I read the story. We're going to talk about that for very briefly why she was there and 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 what that means. But because. Uh, Sometimes I don't I don't think it means what people think it means. But anyway, we'll 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 discuss that in a minute. But let's just read uh Judges chapter four. It is twenty-four verses, so bear with me. But I just I think this story plays into my uh interest in the somewhat brutal uh and, and my interest in the somewhat twisted way. We just read Epsilon, so yeah. Yeah, so right. some of the twistedness of of how people uh are 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 killed. So um this one's pretty brutal. So here we go. Absalom or, or sorry. Austin. <laughs> sorry, thanks. My bad. No, okay. Uh Deborah and Barak, Judges chapter four, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the land of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Hazor. Hazor? Hazor. 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 Sounds right. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoyim. Boy. That sounds right. That's fine. (laughs) Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, Lapidoth, sounds good to me, (laughs) Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Neftali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking ten thousand from the people of Neftali and the people of Zebulun? And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Now, Heber the Kenite had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zanim, 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 <laughs> yeah. which is near Kadesh. A lot of a lot of details in this story that are important, but just bear with me. We're almost there to the to the part that I found fascinating. <laughs> when Cis, this is verse twelve, when Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone to, up to Mount Tabor. Sisera called out his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from Harosheth Hagoim 
to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth Hagawim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. So before Barak and his men even made it to the armies of Sisera, the army, they, they were dead. A lot of them were dead. And then the remaining ones were, were pursued by Barak and were killed as well. And, and so the Lord went before Barak and kind of won the battle for him before it was even an, before it was even start before it started like yeah. he, he ended the battle before it began so that's where we are Sisera who the Lord is going to deliver into the hand of of Barak has fled he's he's running away running away on foot so that, that's where we are verse 17 but Sisera fled on foot on the to the tent of Jael the wife of Heber the Kenite for there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite I, I say it pronounce it differently every time I say it, but y'all know what I mean. (laughs) And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me and do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, please give me a, a little water to drink for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the opening of the tent. And if any man comes and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. Imagine that, a tent stake through the head. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel, and the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, the king of Canaan. Man, what a story. So we see back at verse 11 that Heber the Kenite had separated and he went off on his own and really went, he basically was trying to escape this battle, escape this war. And he went and put his tent, it says, as far away as the oak in Zananinimum, which is near Kadesh. And that's where Sisera ended up. Sisera ended up at that tent. And Heber, 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 Heber's wife, Jael, basically said, yeah, come on in, I'll keep you safe. And then impaled him with a tent stake. Wow! Just hammered it straight through Golly. his head. To where he was pinned to the ground all the way through. First of all, that... That woman must have been strong to be able to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, that our, our skull's pretty thick. <laughs> Tough to crack. I mean, imagine the shots out you've taken as a kid to, to the head and never cracked your skull. So just... They're pretty tough. Yeah. Just right, right through it. Golly. it that, I, that story is, again, one that kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. It is just one chapter of Judges. And the actual death of, of Sisera is, what, three verses? Yeah. Yeah. And and 
I, again, I'm drawn to it just because I like some of the weird, twisted stuff. And, and you know, I, look, I, I've written a paper on Ted Bundy. Like, I just, I, I stuff like that fascinates me, not because it's 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 evil. And and exploring some of the minds of people who, who have evil in their hearts, to me, is fascinating. That's why I have a psychology degree. I just, I like some of that, just kind of get into the head of some of these people. Yeah. And this kind of plays into that fascination I have and, and just that thing. So, but let's look at it just scripturally and, and what some of this means. Um, Austin and I were talking uh, before I shared this story just about Deborah and why was she a judge? Because you see, again, she was the only female judge that, that we see in scripture. All others were men. And you even see her, and, and Austin brought this up, you even see her saying, Barack, you need to go and, and lead this army of 10,000. God has called you. God has called you to go lead this army of 10,000. Go. You need to go. And Barack's like, I'll, I'll go if you go. And I, I think I, I could just kind of see Deborah like, and roll her eyes, fine. Like, that's fine. I'll do this. But because of this, because you're not going to lead these men without me, you're not going to get the glory. You're not going to get the recognition for this victory. A woman's gonna take care of Cicero for you. Yeah, and, and why is that significant, Austin? Well, it, it's interesting because again, all throughout Scripture, uh, again t- going to biblical manhood on Thursdays, men are meant to lead. God made men to lead, and it's interesting with Deborah, Deborah being a judge. It goes back to there were no men in Israel at the time, basically. Uh, Real quick, switch into Isaiah, Isaiah chapter three. When, when Israel or Judah are in judgment, it says, so Isaiah chapter three, for behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply, all support of bread and all support of water, the mighty men and the soldier, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor, so on and so forth. When Israel is in judgment, God takes mighty men from them. And at this time, they were in judgment. A woman was judging over them. And at that time, that was very disgraceful. Because, again, men were meant to lead. And Deborah was judging men. And it, it was not a good thing. That A lot of times this is used as kind of justification for women preaching oh well deborah did it so why can't we do it 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 was a bad thing she was the exception not the rule exactly and again it was because they were under judgment they were being judged by god so therefore there were no mighty men and deborah was judging deborah was leading and we see that with barack barack was a spineless guy she said god has called you to go do this go do it and he says if you go i'll go and she's like, all right, fine. But because you're weak, because you basically you're not the man that God wants you to be, this won't be because of you. This will be because of God, and God will give the glory to a woman, which, again, is disgraceful as of that time. So God gave Sisera into the hand of Jael. And again, it's disgraceful. Looking again at Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, It says, My people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. 
that was a bad thing. That was not a good thing. It was. It is a very good thing when men are in leadership, good, true leadership under God. I mean, when you have a man leading sec- secularly, that's a bad thing anyway. But men are meant to lead. So just kind of interesting. Yeah. So thank, thank you for that. That was a... I didn't approach this passage when I was doing some research on it from that angle. So I was actually grateful that Austin stopped me and we had this conversation because that was that was good stuff. And because and, I, I don't know if I had really considered why Deborah was was a judge and why God used her in this way. I mean, God obviously uses women All throughout Scripture yeah. and uses women today. I mean, that that is not what we're saying, but in a spiritual leadership position. God called men to be the spiritual leaders and the spiritual heads. And when we don't, and when we are weak and spineless, God's going to, his, his will is going to be done. His, his plan's going to come to fruition. He's going to use whoever he wants to use. Exactly. So, yeah. um, so that was, that was my three, uh, obscure stories that I just found fast, find fascinating. Um, I mean, you see all three of mine are in the Old Testament. I think all of yours were in the Old Testament as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a few in the New Testament. You have the, the kid that fell out of the window uh, while Paul was preaching because he was preaching too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not, he wasn't really preaching too long. It was tongue-in-cheek, of course. Yeah, it's, but, it's it's um, he didn't fall asleep and fell out of a window. It's fine. But he totally did. But no, (laughs) so there are some obscure stories in in the New Testament that we skip over and we don't really pay attention to. I mean, gosh, you look at, when's the last time you read the book of Amos? Right. Or Malachi, Obadiah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Micah. Who was was he? Micah. Micah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when's the last time you read beyond like Song of Solomon and and gone past Song of Solomon into those other books? Nahum. The the Minor Prophets, yeah. Yeah. uh, so I encourage you, it, we're, we got one more, Austin's got one more, but I, I do want to encourage you just real quick, start digging into these books that you don't dig into. Yeah. Dig into these stories you don't dig into. I mean, yes, I understand, especially like in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, some of these genealogies and this person begat that person. This person there are still nuggets in there that you can grab, and, and oh, there's a definitely. reason why they're there. So dig into those and dig into these prophets, these minor prophets that we just don't, you know... We we don't talk about a whole lot. We don't preach a whole lot from from the pulpit. We don't we we skim over them and we gl- we gloss over them. Oh, Let, yeah. I encourage you guys get in get into Philemon. I mean, when's the last time you read Philemon in the New Testament? Right? Yeah, and Jude, right? Like dive into those and 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 see what God has for us in in those passages. Because again, they're there for a reason. God put them there for a reason. Well, and and that's the thing. It's okay. All all Scripture is breathed out by God. So be careful when you say, hey, I don't really like that book. What you're really saying is, I don't really like what God has to say. Yeah, or God made a mistake putting that in there. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. That's not, just, that's just be careful. A little heretical. Or even right. the, those last several of the Old Testament, the, the minor prophets, you will be amazed the craziness that is in these. Yeah. So, I mean, these verses and p- chapters and books that we just skip over just think about hosea god tells him go marry a prostitute <laughs> yeah right <laughs> go marry gomer she's a prostitute do it anyway yeah. he does it and then while they're married she is still going off and prostituting herself and he has to go get her time and time again he has to go get her and and we see the point we see why what that is illustrating is us as as the prostitute. The prostitute and, and wandering away from God and being unfaithful to God, and yet he still pursues us and grabs us and brings us back. But that, I mean, that's... When when have we... When's the last time we read that story? It's been a long time. So, go in. 
read Obadiah, read Amos, read Habakkuk, read. I think our actually, I think our church is doing a study through Habakkuk right now. The women, the women's, yeah, yeah. But go through these books that we just don't read. Side note: in Brazil, they call it Habakkuki. Oh, I like cookies. Habakkuki. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. So, Austin, with that, let's close it out strong. What is your last story we are getting into? What's wrong? No, no, it's... So, I do not have all the answers with this one. Okay. This one still still mind boggles me. Okay. And blows my mind. So, this is 1 Samuel chapter 28. This is when Saul goes to the medium at Endor. I'm I'm just going to read it. And we're, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit about it. So, chapter 28. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel had died. And all Israel had mourned him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shinnom. And Saul gathered all Israel and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and he and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went. He and two men went with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Divine for me by a spirit." And bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you lying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Verse 11. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God, lowercase g, coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answered me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me? since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy. The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Elimelech. 
Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. This one blows my mind. I mean, many people don't remember this. Again, this is one that either you just glance through or pass through. Saul and the the army of Israel. Again, this is Saul pursuing David, trying to kill David over and over and over again. And now there is this, this war against the Philistines. During this time, David was actually with the Philistines. He was, he was living with Achish. He was kind of a general of the Philistines. And he was living in his province with his army, and Achish was allowing it. Because David was basically going around and killing the Philistine enemies besides Israel. So the Philistines are getting together and Akish is like, hey, I want you to go with me, David. I want you and your guys to go with me. Or basically, you're good with this, right? And David's like, yeah, yeah, you've allowed me to stay here. I I will come with you. And Akish says, okay, you're now my bodyguard for life. And David's like, cool. And so they're getting ready for this battle, which later on in chapter 29, it talks about Basically, all the generals of the Philistines gather together and tell Akish, um, no, David can't come with you because we're going to go fight the Israelites. And no, no, this is a conflict of interest. <laughs> so anyway, besides that, so the the army of Israel meets up together. They're encamped. The army of the Philistines meets up and Saul is terrified. He's scared because he is trying to inquire of God. He's asking, he's asking the prophets, he's praying, he's, he's waiting for a dream, and nothing is coming. Well, at this point, Saul already knows that David is, is the next king, right? Yeah. And at this point, he already knows that his, his time is limited, and his days are numbered as king of Israel, and he's grasping at any way to hold on to that power. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because at this point, it says Samuel died, and... Samuel had already come to him saying, look, you've messed up big and God has departed from you. God is no longer with you and he is now with someone else. And so, yeah, he knows this. And so now that he is not able to inquire of God, he is trying to find something else. So he asks for a medium, a necromancer and the call them what they want, call them what they are, witches or people who dig deep into dark, evil things. And it, and early, it just earlier in the chapter, it references how Saul went through all of Israel and got rid of them. He says, I want them out. I want them out, which was good. But now it's basically, in his mind, his last hope. So he tells his people to search out, and they know of one. It is this woman in Endor. And so he disguises himself. He goes to her. Which, by the way, I picture him like putting on the little glasses with the mustache and the fake nose. Yeah. That's just, I don't know why. That's just, that's what popped into my head. Or like your classic Marvel, just a baseball cap with a, a jacket. <laughs> right. Right. You don't know who I am. Just put on glasses and you change your entire appearance. Yeah. I don't know who you are. You're not Thor. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to her and the, the woman just asks, who shall I bring up for you? And he says, bring up for me. Samuel, and realized that 
there is no one, not even Satan, Satan can't do this. There is no one that can bring the dead to life except God. So this was, I want to say like smoke and mirrors. This was okay. She's used to this kind of thing. So she's, she's calling upon evil spirits as in like demons. And I, I am sure many times she has gotten demons and being in control of that evil, her being in that control of Satan, basically it, it's used for evil. Well, uh, there's precedent for this idea that, that some of this, I mean, your palm readers, your tarot card readers, stuff like that is, is hokey. It's, it's just completely debunked, but like stuff like this, I mean, there's legitimacy to it because, yes. because the evil spirits exist and this, this dark world exists beyond what we can see. Yep. And just like you can tap into to, to God and to his kingdom and, and you're a part of his kingdom, you, you can tap into that darkness yeah. if you are in the right frame of mind. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, <clears throat> I don't know how to, you know, but like... We've never been there. Right. And we don't plan to. <laughs> exactly. But like, you're allowing these spirits into your world. And, yes. And, and, well, and they become very powerful. Yeah. And that's the thing. They're there. They're here. Right. It's a matter of... So like Ouija boards. Um, people use Ouija boards to contact the the dead, the other side. And that's basically this. You know, Saul is trying to get this woman to contact Samuel. He is dead. But when it comes to that evil side, when it comes to Satan and demons, they cannot resurrect the dead. But the spirits, as in the, the demons, they can come out of it. So like with Ouija boards, when people think they're talking to their dead relatives, no. They're talking to demons. If it's, if it's not... <clears throat> If it's real, if it's real, they're talking to, they're not talking to their, their cousin that died to your, like, they're not, it's not a thing. They're talking to demons. Exactly. Yeah. And so basically this woman is surprised. And when Saul or when Samuel appears, I mean, she's terrified. It says when the woman saw Saul, she cried out with a loud voice and the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? Because now she knows who it, who it is. You're Saul. You're King Saul. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to kill you. I'm, you're fine. I, I need this. And so he, he says, what does he look like? What, what's the appearance? So Saul says, basically, don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God, a, a lowercase g, coming up out of the earth. So the, the, the Hebrew word there for God is Elohim or Elohim, and it is referred to as, as a spirit, or as, uh, it, throughout scripture, it's referenced as, as like, angel, or uh, demon, stuff like that, so this was her perception. So, a spirit. She's used to seeing spirits, so she sees this. A I see a god coming out of the earth, and he says to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Saul. Sam, and Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. So Samuel's there. God has allowed Samuel to come back. And Samuel says to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me. So Again, he's inquiring. He's like, God isn't speaking to me. So you're the only person, you're the only real prophet that I know that really talks to God, but you're dead. So And, and he gets his answer. Yes, he, he doesn't does. like the answer, but he gets his answer. It's like, you're, you're going to die. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and he says, I've already told you. Yeah. I came to you. I spoke to you already what God wanted me to say. It hasn't changed. And it's God has left you. God has given your throne to your neighbor, David. And a little bit later today, or yeah, a little bit later on, you and your sons are going to join me. As in, you will be underground, you will be dying. What boggles me is this gets into that whole mindset of, again, Old Testament versus New Testament, pre-Jesus, post-Jesus. And Samuel is post, or Samuel is pre-Jesus, didn't have the Holy Spirit, didn't have the, the death of Christ. So in throughout scripture, when it talks about when someone dies, it says, then they rested with their fathers, or then they were buried and they lay with their fathers. And it's that they're buried and they are waiting for the second return of Jesus when he will call the saints. And we know the progression when Jesus comes back, they will be the first to go. Now, a lot of times this is where that idea of purgatory comes in. Catholicism talking about that waiting, but that, that isn't it. It's not like the Old Testament, they died and they're just laying there, twiddling their thumbs, waiting. They're basically like a sleep, but it's a timeless sleep. They uh, they have died. They're sleeping with their quote-unquote fathers until Jesus comes back, and he will bring them back. Whereas when we die, we are post-Jesus, and we are with him. So it's that mindset of, okay, we die, we're there, and we are in judgment at the exact same time they are, even though they're there before us. So this is yeah, where it's, it, it's time mind boggling. Yeah. Might get into it at a different time. Right. Might not because this just hurts my brain. Yeah. <laughs> but I, this hit I, one of my favorites again, because it, it is so it's interesting. It yeah. is interesting. Well, guys, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Uh, I hope this was encouraging in a way of like encourages you to read these stories that you don't normally read. And I hope it encourages you to dig into these books and these passages that you aren't normally into. That was kind of my goal behind this. And also just to shed some light on some some stories in the Bible that don't get a lot of attention. And it can be humorous at times, can be a little bit twisted, a little bit bizarre. Uh, this one, a little bit dark, you know, with some of the occult type yep. feel to it. There's so much in Scripture. Scripture is so rich. The Old Testament specifically is so rich in these type of stories and these types of, of showing what God can do and what God will do for his people and, and the links he'll go to protect his people, the links he'll go to bring his people back to him when we, when we stray, when we prostitute ourselves out. So just be encouraged by that. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed our new segment. I thought it was awesome. I'm excited about doing this again in a, in a little few weeks. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys. Come back on Thursday. We're going to dive back into manly, biblical manhood. Manliness. Manliness, part two. Part two. <laughs> We're going to dive into that. We're excited about that episode and excited about that series. We'll see what happens next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll surprise you guys with something. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That seems like too much of a lead <laughs> in, or too much of a... Uh, Open. Oh, okay. We don't have anything specifically planned that's going to be amazing as far as like a name. We're just... We're going to have a topic that we're not going to tell you about until Monday, until yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. So Surprise. Surprise. But guys, thank you for listening. Like us, rate us, review us, leave us comments. Email us. Email if us. You want. 
buy some bracelets. That's true. That'll bracelets. be on our Facebook page, Instagram, website, all that. They'll be there. Uh, we'll do Venmo, PayPal, whatever. We'll figure it out. Guys, stay rooted. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogospod.